Beyond the walls of the Sanctum Sanctorum, out on Bleecker Street in Greenwich Village, a bluegrass band is playing as the Indian summer night smiles down at a city too full of life and joy to sleep. Within those walls, however, all is silence. The mage sits motionless within a circle of power as he has sat for the past three days, deep in a trance. His name is Stephen Strange. His title, Master of the Mystic Art. My name's Conrad, and welcome to Stranger by the Dozen, along with my co-host, Drew. This is the 18th episode of the podcast where we recap the adventures of Dr. Stephen Strange, Master of the Mystic Arts, 12 issues at a time. How's it going this week, Drew? Uh, hey, man, Conrad. What's going on? It's Dr. Strange is what's going on, buddy. Darn right. Yeah. You can find this show on iTunes, the Google Play Store, Stitcher, and on any fine podcast app. You can contact the show at strangerbythedozen at gmail.com, on Twitter at strangerbythe12, on Tumblr at strangerbythedozen.tumblr.com, or on Facebook or Instagram by searching for Stranger by the Dozen. Give this show a five-star review, and I'll read the review on the air. And if you want to read along with the podcast this week, the issues covered can be found in Essential Doctor Strange Volume 4, Essential Marvel Team-Up Volume 3, and Essential Marvel 2-in-1 Volume 2. So, let, just to quickly recap before we start the issues, last time on Stranger by the Dozen in Marvel Team-Up uh, 76, uh, Clea's soul, Clea the lover of Doctor Strange, her soul had been stolen by the evil Silver Dagger still living inside the mystical orb of Agamotto. Uh, Doctor Strange, Spider-Man, and Miss Marvel went to New Orleans to uh, consult with Marie Laveau, the self-styled witch queen of New Orleans, to figure out what's going on. Uh, Strange agreed to come with her to investigate this m mystic book of black magic while... Uh, Spider-Man and Miss Marvel stood guard over his body, and that's where he went, and now they're, her swamp shack is being attacked by thugs. Oh, it's real bad. Super bad. Yeah. And so that takes us to Marvel Team-Up 77 from January 1979. If I'm to live, my love must die. Chris Claremont author, Howard Chaikin, Jeff Acklin, and Juan Artiz artist, Joe Rosen letterer, Mario Sen colorist, Al Milgram, editor, Jim Shooter, editor-in-chief. So, there's basically two stories going on at once in the course of this comic. Um, there's Doctor Strange sort of in a spirit world, dealing with first Marie Laveau and then a ghostly evil version of Clea. And then in the real world, there's Spider-Man and Miss Marvel fighting off thugs. And then eventually a personified Silver Dagger. Um... I'd say it's a little tough because I feel like the stakes are kind of low for the real life guys. Like they kind of like Silver Dagger's a tough magical opponent, but it's mostly just sort of like he fights them to a standstill, and then maybe Miss Marvel gets in a lucky punch, or Spider Man like does some web shooter stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. The more interesting things I think is what's going on in the spirit realm. First, we see. Marie Laveau sort of double-crossed Doctor Strange, and I beam him in the back and stuff. But then we see a vision of Clea, which is based on um, information that we don't have, that, or sorry, that Doctor Strange and Clea themselves don't have, which is that she's actually uh, Umar's daughter, Umar, the sister of Dormammu. 
and, you know, being a pure evil, you know? Yeah. So we see uh, Clea, like, so last episode, uh, Silver Dagger was burning her at the stake inside, like, the Orb of Agamotto or whatever. And Doctor Strange goes inside the Orb himself and manages to come to her just as she dies from being burned at the stake. And then we see her in her sort of Umar form, which is a being of, like, energy and fire, and she's all, like, evil and taunting and stuff. And Doctor Strange is like, ah, I can't kill her because she's the woman I love and blah, blah, blah. You know? It's like, I can't do anything to her because I I totally love her and stuff. And she's super evil right now, and I don't know what to do. I'm conflicted and things. What's interesting is that the way she actually gets beaten is the Orb of Agamotto, like which we've seen Doctor Strange be inside before during the previous Silver Dagger saga, where he like flew to a castle with all the different members of the Defenders and then to a city where no one could die and where he met death and stuff like that. Apparently it conforms to the like its landscape conforms to the psyche of whoever's sort of interfacing with the orb itself. So it begins to take, so while it previously had Doctor Strange's and Silver Dagger's, um, like, psyches, it's, it was, it's in the process of conforming to being, like, the dark dimension, like, the clay is from. And then suddenly Spider-Man gets tossed in, and it, the whole place gets thrown for a loop as it gets turned into sort of a new, into a Spider-Man's New York of Spider-Man's uh, friends and enemies and stuff, and it ends up knocking Clay out, allowing... Marie Laveau, who, while she bled back, uh, who, wh- while she had tricked Doctor Strange, was you know being forced to do so by Silver Dagger, of course. And then Clay gets pulled out of the globe. Silver Dagger gets taken down. Everybody's happy. It's good times. It's a solid story. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it ends with a whole bunch of makeouts between uh, Doctor Strange and Clay, which I always appreciate. <laughs> um, but so yeah, so Silver Dagger's vanquished. Marie Laveau is like. Hey, like, you know, I was forced to help him, but I ended up betraying, or I was forced to help Silver Dagger, but I ended up betraying him. Be aware that you're still cursed, Doctor Strange, as always. I mean, when is he not? Yeah, but now he's especially cursed, buddy. Oh, well, all right. (laughs) And um, that's sort of the fade out for the story. They just sort of, you know, Doctor Strange and Clea make out into the sunset, and it's like... But what foul magic waits in store for them because of the events of this story, you know? And we find out, oh yeah, <laughs> in Marvel Team-Up 80 from April 1979. So I'll mention to you, Drew, yes. before we get into this Marvel Team-Up episode, that in between these issues, the, uh, Doctor Strange was featured in Avengers Annual 80, or Avengers Annual 8, I should say. And Avengers Annual 8 is a ridiculous story where Hank Pym t- uh, gives his wife, uh, Jan Van Dyne, like the Wasp, a, uh, a, a gem pendant that is the gem from the supervillain Dr. Spectrum from the Squadron Sinister and stuff. He's shown up in the, on, on the podcast before, actually. But he gives her the gem of Dr. Spectrum, which she gets his powers from, and she becomes Dr. Spectrum, basically, and all evil. Okay possessed by the power of Dr. Spectrum. And so the Avengers trying to fight her go to Dr. Strange for help. And Dr. Strange is like, sorry, guys, I'm busy. I can't help out because Clay is doing some uh, magic stuff and I got to monitor her. And they're like, okay, thanks, buddy. See you later. (laughs) And since it's such a small um, cameo, basically, I'm not 
that's all I want to talk about it on the podcast. It's not worth like doing that whole issue. You know what I mean? No, entirely fair. Entirely. Yeah, fair. that's just sort of we're getting to a point where there's a lot of Marvel comics going on, a lot of storylines going on, and every once in a while they need sort of a magic person to establish sort of magic things, and Doctor Strange becomes the go-to guy for that. But a lot of times the role that he plays is just to sort of show up and be like, oh, yes, that's magical or something like yes, that. Yes, yes, this thing over here, that's magic. Yeah. Right, so I must be off now. Yeah, he's on there for like a maybe a panel, maybe a page, and I'll try to call them out as they happen, but we probably aren't going to cover those whole issues just for a minor guest appearance by Doctor Strange because we're busy men, Drew. We're I'm busy people. Very busy. You have no idea. It, we at least got to keep going forward, you know what I mean? Yes. In this case, to Marvel Team Up 80 from April 1979, a sorcerer possessed. Uh, Chris Claremont, author. Mike Vosberg, guest penciler. Gene Day, inker. Denise Mol- Wool, letterer. Petra Goldberg, colorist. Al Milgram, editor. Jim Shooter, editor-in-chief. So... I just want to point out here that this is, you know, kind of kind of big for Clea because she has like her name on the cover. Yeah, the especially not, like on the cover it says so you know all these Marvel team ups are Spider-Man and somebody. That's always the title of the thing. Yeah. So on the cover of the mag of the comic it says uh, Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, and Clea. But then the actual story title it's Spider-Man and Clea with no mention of Doctor Strange. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. So this story starts off with uh, Spider-Man, or Peter Parker, I should say, on a date with throwaway um, Spider-Man girlfriend, uh, sissy something or other. Uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. She's you know not going to be really important if she's not Mary Jane or uh, Gwen yeah. Stacy. So it doesn't really matter. I think she, yeah, I think she only shows up in like the four, or like in three or four Marvel team-up comics that um, Chris Claremont drew, just to kind of... Be, you know, for, so that there is a lady for Peter Parker, but not so that it messes up with the established, um, yeah, Sissy Underwood, that's her name. Sure. Yeah, so they're walking through Central Park, blah, 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 when suddenly, they're attacked by a werewolf. Oh, oh no! Oh, it's terrible. And, you know, there's some werewolf fighting. Peter Parker has to actually fight the werewolf in um, civilian clothes, which is always a bummer for him. He almost gets uh, gets drowned when he manages to chase it off with like a, some some covert uh, web shooter use, and he sees that the were- that the werewolf has left something behind, amulet of Doctor Strange. But the what? what? What can it mean? After taking Sissy to the hospital to deal with her werewolf wounds. Uh, Sp- uh, Peter Parker in in Spider Man garb goes to the Sanctum Sanctorum and like knocks on the door. Clea answers and he's like, uh, "Hey, uh, is the doc missing his amulet? Is he around?" And she's like, "No, he's not around. I can't talk." And she slams the door in his face, which ain't is not suspicious at all. No. So seeking more answers, uh, Spider Man goes to a neighborhood psychic and palm reader. Sure. And, that, yeah. Yeah. And, and has her do the uh, the tarot layout that was sort of mentioned a couple times in our in the in the previous two Marvel team up stories in seventy six and seventy seven. They redo it here. I'm not really a tarot person beyond sort of what I see in the in the uh, persona video games, but apparently it portends doom. Just be aware of that. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. So after coming back from the tarot folks, Doctor Strange or Spider Man sees Doctor Strange walking down the street into the Sanctum Sanctorum 
and Spider-Man sort of spies on her a little bit. And Doctor Strange is being a huge jerk. Yeah, what the heck is up with this? He like he slaps he slaps he backhands Clay and like shouts silence and stuff, which is pretty un Doctor Strangey, honestly. Yeah. And so Spider-Man decided that, yeah, that's not what he does, what's, what Doctor Strange is up to, jumps through the window, and the two of them start brawling like crazy. And after, finally, Doctor, or Spider-Man knocks out Doctor Strange, because Doctor Strange, while having some martial arts ability, is too angry to cast spells, and no match for a seasoned brawler, Spider-Man, gets knocked out, and Clea does, like, a mystic scan on him. Doctor Strange is a werewolf. What? I didn't see that it's coming. Bad. I didn't see that coming. I, mean, I didn't see it coming. It's it's weird, right? Yeah, no, it's weird. <laughs> so uh, the the team decides like, hey, we got to cure Doctor Strange of being a werewolf. You know how we do that? Silver bullets. No, that's the lasting. We we want a lasting cure, not a not a one stop shop. Uh, garlic. No, that's vampires. Uh, stake through the heart. Look, the answer is you put them on a plane to Tibet, where some llamas will deal with them. They'll take them to a llama street. That that doesn't that doesn't seem like the right thing to do here. Yeah, it actually ends up real bad. They put him on a plane to Tibet with Wong and Spider-Man. Doctor Strange turns into a werewolf aboard the plane, and the whole plane blows up. Although no one's actually hurt, but it's still bad. But as Doctor Strange, in werewolf form, walks off into the night on one side of the plane, and Spider-Man hustles the staff and people uh, and everyone else aboard the plane to safety from the other side of the plane, a mysterious visitor arrives at the Sanctum Sanctorum. It's Satana, the devil's daughter. Also, not a fan of t-shirts that cover your, like, mid-area. And yeah, yeah. Fan of crazy eyebrow styles. So, 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 Satana's a redhead. She's a lady. Oh, yeah. She's got kind of shoulder-length hair. She's got eyebrows that go from her head, basically, into her hair. Like, she's got crazy horn eyebrows, basically. But the most important thing that you see right away is that she wears sort of a burgundy jumpsuit with a big hole in the middle. It's really weird. Like, it's just like, like, hey, here's the sides of my boobs and my belly button. Oh, yeah. All right, whatever. <laughs> but she's come to help Doctor Strange, or if he's already tasted human blood, to kill him. <sighs> it's tough. And that takes us to Marvel Team-Up 81 from June 1979. Last Rites. Chris Claremont author, Mike Vosberg penciler, Steve Laola inker, Rick Parker letterer, Ben Sean colorist, Alan Milgram editor, Jim Shooter editor-in-chief. So, okay. In, as, as our stories begin, Clea and Satana are doing some ritual stuff. Satana's put on a hat with big ram horns on it. And they sort of spy on Wong and Spider-Man at the crash site where, you know, the plane was destroyed when Doctor Strange turned into a werewolf and teleport them away before the, 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 uh, the cops hassle them too much with difficult questions. Why did this plane explode? What are, what you, are you guys do up to? What are you doing here? Yeah. What is going on? Was that a Doctor Strange werewolf that we saw? Teleport away! <laughs> I gotta say, the big thing I'm most angry about with both of these with both of these issues, Drew, yeah, is that there's no big full color picture of the werewolf in Doctor Strange clothes. You know, there's one panel of it, and it's kind of a cover of one issue. Oh, but I really wanted like a full page a full page spread. Yeah, you know? that would have been great. Werewolf Strange, you know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, whatever. If ifs and nuts are candies and nuts, right? Yeah, yeah. 
But so Satana teleports him back and she sort of lays out her plan. Um, it turns out that when Doctor Strange uh, tried to go after the black magic book to bring Clea's soul back, it uh, cursed his soul. And the way that his soul is cursed is that, you know, he turns into a werewolf, basically. So Satana's here to reverse the curse. And if she can't do it, then she's got a cool flintlock pistol that shoots silver bullets. So, you know, either way, it's a good time. Like I said, silver bullets fixes everything. I mean, you aren't wrong. <laughs> so they start doing a bunch of stuff to magically find Doctor Strange. Eventually, Spider-Man tracks him down and punches him, ironically, in his girlfriend Sissy's uh, hotel room. Or a... Uh, um, ho- and uh, he webs doctors, he webs Werewolf Strange up and brings him back to the Sanctum Sanctorum. And they start doing the spell. So inside Doctor, so it's basically, theoretically, there's a part of the story that's Spider-Man struggling to hold Doctor Strange steady. But we don't really see that part. Mostly we see inside Doctor Strange's brain as Satana sexily fights various demons. Big hordes of them. Yep. And kind of weird vortexes, too. Yeah, yeah. she sort of finds his soul in a weird vortex, fights some demons to free it. His soul is free, but she's got to make sure that the demons are finally cut down forever. And to do it, she releases the Basilisk, the crazy uber-demon inside her soul. You know, it's sort of Satana mythos stuff. Right. So Doctor Strange is is healed. He's he's a werewolf no more. Hooray. But... Yo, what happened to Satana? The terrible cost is that Satana has died. Oh, no. Yeah, it's sad, buddy. But it was apparently a long time coming. Like, people were feeling pr- like like parents groups weren't very happy with having a sexy lady that is explicitly satanic and stuff. Like, they got letters. And Jim Shooter sort of comes in and is like, all right, let's sort of de-Satan Marvel a little bit. <laughs> How are we going to de-Satan it? Well, I think step one is getting rid of this character named Satana. Name Satana. Well, I mean, it really depends on like how much of like Satan they want to take out of it, and if they want to keep like things Satan-ish, they got that covered. I, exactly, but that's not what Satana's about. She's not Satanish. She's Satan. She's Satan. Uh, that's a key difference. <laughs> also, I think honestly, part of me just thinks her uh, costume is a little risque for like. 1979 or something like that. Yeah, I'm actually a little surprised to see it, but then again, you know, such things exist like the Power Girl boob window, so whatever. Yeah, but I mean, like, the boob window at least sort of is just the boobs. Like, the the fact that it sort of goes, fr- like, it's open from her collarbone to below her belly button is pretty, like, suggest- suggestive, you know what I mean? Yeah, I guess so. Like, I mean, this is honestly the kind of character, like, like in in the end of the episode... Last week, I said that um, it was like, like this is the until um, the Goblin Queen from X Men Inferno, who has a very similar costume and stuff. But that's not till like the late '80s, you know? Right. I think it's ahead of her time in terms of sort of suggestiveness, if you take my meaning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so let's move on to Marvel Two and One, uh, number forty-nine from March nineteen seventy-seven. Drew, you remember Marvel 2-in-1 is like Marvel Team-Up, but instead of Spider-Man, it's the thing, right? Right. It's kind of like the old uh, Strange Tales. Yeah, like the first half of Strange Tales, where it'd be a thing, um, Johnny Storm story. Yeah. Exactly. But more guest hosts. (laughs) So this one is The Curse of Crawlinswood. 
Mary Jo Duffy, writer, Alan Kupperberg and Jean Day, artists, Mike Higgins, letterer, Carl Gafford, colorist, Roger Stern, editor, Jim Shooter, editor-in-chief. So this story is kind of quick, I think, because it's got a lot of atmospheric stuff, but the story itself is pretty simple. Uh, the Thing has decided to go for a fishing holiday someplace on the coast somewhere. He doesn't catch any fish, or which is a bummer in this old New England town. So he goes to the local uh, inn to sort of just call it a night. And as he does, he meets both a beautiful lady and he thinks he sees Doctor Strange. But Doctor Strange doesn't really talk to him. He just sort of goes into the hotel. So the hotel itself is hella creepy. There's a lot of, like reflections of window panes onto people's faces and things like that. Yeah, it's all spooky. Yeah, and super spooky when uh, the thing is sort of enjoying his tea at night and hears the screaming voice of the blonde lady, Janie, and he's so ready to save her that he just jams right through the wall of the, be- of the, of the, of the inn, leaving a thing-sized hole behind him, basically. I wonder how many problems he has with like random property damage with these kind of things. I mean, I definitely think that there's, like, I think they've actually explicitly said that there's, like, a Fantastic Four insurance fund yeah. that's just for property damage that they're explicitly linked to, you know? All right, that's fair. Luckily, they're hella rich from the few from the few inventions Reed Richards deigns to share with the rest of us instead of just using them to make, like, flying cars for himself and stuff. Well, that's because Reed Richards is a jerk, but that's another yep. story. Hey, exactly. <laughs> so... The thing bashes through the wall, tries to save Janie, but it turns out it's just some driftwood, and everybody kind of goes to sleep. Meanwhile, Doctor Strange reflects on the past of this town, where some old necromancer years and years ago died when a sailing ship went down. But before he did, he enchanted, like, a, a ship hand? A guy on the ship? Yeah. Named Kimo? With um, a magic ruby thing. And the two of them have been sort of haunting this area ever since, and Doctor Strange is here to finally settle their hash because the stars are in alignment, and it gives, them a, it gives the bad guys a unique opportunity to, like, you know, come to Earth and stuff. As we see moments later, when Janie puts out her cat for the night, and ramming through the wall comes the necromatically preserved body of that dude, of that ship hand, Chemo. Oh, man. So we end up with two fights as a... Uh, the Thing fights Chemo, who's this big kind of gray-skinned dude with a giant gem in his chest. And Doctor Strange fights the evil necromancer Tremelin, like in the stars above. And Tremelin is a terribly dressed uh, wizard. Yeah, it's like this weird maroon one-piece suit with a cape, a belt, and a weird pointy hat. It's basically a KKK hat without, like, the front neck. Oh, I didn't even think about it that way. Oh, it totally no. is. <laughs> It's real bad. Oh, it's real bad. Like this, as well as that guy um, Jeremiah from that fan- from that Human Torch team up we saw yeah. a couple episodes ago. Yeah, are these two guys who really seem like they could be decent villains, but have been damned by terrible costume choices. He's just got pointy everything. It's like pointy shoes and a weird pointy hat, and now it's all bad. It's just bad choices all around. Yeah. So Doctor Strange fights has a wizard fight with Tremelin. Uh, the Thing fights Chemo and realizes partway through the fight, like, hey, like this guy's got a big glowing, a big glowing ruby on his chest. Maybe now would be maybe. the time to like just, I don't know, smash that thing. Yeah, like, hey, maybe this guy's obvious weak point is a weak point. 
I mean, and he does it. It's it's big, red, and glowing. Like that's that's like weak point one hundred one right there. Yeah, he the thing destroys the gem, and Tremolin's uh, plans are foiled, and he falls back into the beyond. You know, cursing Doctor Strange forever as he does. Meanwhile, Kimo is redeemed because he didn't want to be in the in this thing in the first place, and sort of goes to heaven or. Whatever, it goes to find peace with his own island gods, I guess. Sure. And Doctor Strange is like, hey, good times, Ben Grimm. Like, we teamed up, and I totally didn't exchange words with you once, this whole story. I didn't talk to you once, and we totally did a thing. And the thing is like, okay, I guess. This is just my life now, I suppose. Whatever. (laughs) You know. Yeah. But But now we start the big chunk of our story, Drew. Like, that was That was fun. That was a quarter. That was a third of the show. The rest of the show is going to be this big Doctor Strange storyline. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty excited about it actually. Uh, we start with Doctor Strange 38 from December 1979. Eye of the Beholder, Chris Claremont Vision, G colon Shape, Dan Green Form, Tom Orzakowski Sound, Bob Sharon Hugh. Joe Duffy and Alan Milgram view Jim Shooter Judgment. I see what they did there. I like alternate credits, man. It's cool. So this issue starts with Doctor Strange sort of reflecting on the story from last week's episode. How all the stuff with his unknown opponent, the Dweller in the Darkness, sort of making him double, double, double think and question his uh, superiority as Sorcerer Supreme and things like that. Yeah, but the Dwelling in the Dark didn't actually do anything. He just But just the constant onslaught of things made Doctor Strange question himself and that was enough. <laughs> it was it's such a weird goal for a villain to have. It's like, oh, I made him question yeah. himself. My work here is done. It's totally weird. Like they kind of try to ret there's two big retcons, like like retroactive continuity things in this ish, in this ish, in, in this like recap where they make a big deal about how Doctor Strange had been sort of in the astral plane pursuing the Dweller in the Dark, and the Dweller in the Dark just jammed him back into his body, like from the astral plane, like contemptuously, and that like showed Doctor Strange that there were bigger forces out there that he couldn't control. But like, that was didn't seem like that big a deal when it happened, like last Doctor Strange issue, I want to say. Yeah. And the other thing that they retcon is that they su- successfully um, summoned the Black Knight and sent the, the the ebony blade back to him in the past. Okay. Which absolutely didn't happen last issue. I like, really don't remember that happening. I, I totally remember that, but it, it, they say it happened here, so I don't know. I, I don't remember it happening. Yeah. It doesn't matter that much anyway for our, our purposes, I think. Sure, okay. But so, Clay has put on some sexy duds and is trying to uh, convince him to go out on the town, basically. And after knocking him over um, while he's meditating and floating a couple feet up, he agrees and sort of is like, you know, goes with the uh, all work and no play, make Doctor Strange a dull boy, and make Clea pretty angry about uh, her general lot in life. So they sort of put on street clothes and head out. They try to call Wong, but apparently Wong's out for the night. He's got some sort of errand or something like that. Yeah, man. Wong's got his own life. He can do whatever he wants. I guess. We see him in uh, somewhere in Chinatown meeting with a guy named Sung, who apparently was requested him by for some sort of by by like Wong's order. But Wong sort of is suspicious right away, and then some toughs come out of the shadow, out of the shadows, and beat the crap out of Wong, and he gets taken away, which is 
pretty worrying, honestly. Like, don't kill Wong. Wong's a good guy. Yeah, Wong's awesome. Meanwhile, in an airplane, uh, Father Alfo Spinoza, Cardinal of Rome, is t- is flying with a briefcase handcuffed to his wrist on his way to see Doctor Strange. And then meanwhile, again, <laughs> uh, Doctor Strange and Clea are at a, a disco called Hell's Bells, just north of Greenwich Village, where they bump into Sarah Wolf, who's Doctor Strange's neighbor. All right. Yeah, so they bump into, into Sarah Wolf, Doctor Strange's neighbor, and sort of dis, you know mention this new character that Doctor Strange has apparently known for a long time, but we're just seeing for the first time. No, I totally remember uh, Sarah Wolf. She's after like, uh, twenty after fifteen years of this comic. Absolutely, absolutely rememberable. Like that one time that she came over and gave Doctor Strange brownies that one time, and um, um, I'm really yeah. I'm really stretching for things here, and I can't think of anything else. <laughs> so Doctor, so uh, sorry, so Sarah Wolf's boyfriend or whatever. He's like at the bar looking nervous when some random dude walks in and is like, hey, man, like, I got to talk to you. And then that guy and then Sarah Wolf's boyfriend runs out and Dr. Strange follows. And when he finds him, he's been turned to dust. Oh, like he he punches the guy who's like, hey, man, uh, I need to talk to you about something. And then he runs out and then he's turned to dust. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. The guy guy punches like. I felt that a little, or whatever. It's like, yeah, sure, I guess that was something. <laughs> so, Doctor, so weirded out by this, Strange and Clea head out to um, head to research like things that turn people into dust, basically. And they think it might have something to do, or they they use the orb, the orb of Agamotto, to sort of track the people that might have done this, their mystical energy. And determined that they 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 are probably in this park in the north of Manhattan. That's pretty well wooded and stuff. So strangely, I teleport out to check out what's going on at this park. As Cardinal Spinoza shows up at the front door of the Sanctum Sanctorum and sort of rings on the on the door and is like, "Hey, uh, what's going on, guys?" But it's too late. Inside the park, uh, Strange and Clara uh, and have a big wizard to do. But it turns out that the mysterious couple sure. that sort of talk to themselves as brother and sister are, um, they're like, have weird nature magic that Doctor Strange doesn't quite know what to do with. Like, he doesn't know how to defend against it. He can't really see it coming or anything like that. So, in the end, he goes with a good old-fashioned, um, like, hey, like the blinding rays of truth will probably work on these guys. It works on most things. Yes, I have Agamotto it. And when he does, the couple reveals their true form. It's real cool. It's like weird owl snake things. Yeah, they're eye killers from Native American myth. It's like part owl, part snake, part like maybe like lion. Like they have like lion arms. Yeah, basically. they have like lion arms. Yeah, it, it's very chimera. Let's just go totally. With, just go with that chimera. Yeah, and so once they're um, revealed, Doctor Strange is able to banish them using a sweet spell uh, from the bitter blazing land. May the Falatine raise their hand. May their flames now leap and hiss. Open wide a great abyss. That's some some good A-A-B-B rhyming there. I appreciate it. Um, And he seals them in this big hole in the ground and then uh, uh, closes it over. And they're like, whatever, man, you're stupid. And laugh at him. Um, But, you know, the threat seems to be addressed. Good times. Uh, Clay and Doctor Strange return back to the Sanctum Sanctorum. Where, Spin- where Cardinal Spinoza is waiting for them. He sort of let himself in, despite because c- c- Wong isn't there. 
and he shows them something worrying from the Vatican archives. What could it be? They were robbed recently, and there's a photograph of the intruder. Who was it? I need to know. Baron Mordo. Oh, no. Dun, dun, dun. Which takes us to Doctor Strange 39 from February 1980, The Old Dark House. I just want to... I, I just, oh, really quickly, the, the cover on this one is pretty awesome. Oh, yeah, it's Doctor Strange uh, tied to, like, a, a medical table as skeletal doctors prepare to do surgery on him as more skeletons look on from, like, the observer floor above. It's pretty rad. It's dope. So, the old dark house. Chris Claremont words, Gene Colan pencils, Dan Green inks, Tom Orzakowski letterer, Ben Sean colors, Joe Duffy and Alan Milgram editors, Jim Shooter editor in chief. So this story ends. So this so this ep- issue begins with something that I don't think is actually true from what we've seen. Like Doctor Strange seems to still have Baron Mordo comatose in like a room in the Sanctum Sanctorum. Yeah, when did that happen? Well, he's uh, he had been there previously after the fight with uh, with Sisseneg when the world was remade, and Doctor uh, and uh, for oh, the right, second right, 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 Sisseneg kind of. Blew his mind. No, wait, no. Yeah, he blew his mind, and then, um... Oh, yeah, then right, right, right. Baron Mordo was, had sort of been comatose in there for a while. But the thing is, is that then, um, when, like, Eternity came back, and, um, Doctor Strange fought those four faces of himself, like, during that one, uh, Baron Mordo sort of came alive and went and fought... He fought Doctor Strange after Doctor Strange bested his um, his superhero version of himself, basically. Yeah, that super red superhero version with the awesome blue suit. Yeah, and then um, Eternity, you know, destroyed the Earth and remade it again. That was like the the, the fifth time, I believe. But we didn't really see what happened to Mordo sort of afterwards, or like what what had happened to him in the aftermath of that remaking of the Earth. So then Mordo's just been kind of comatose in Doctor Strange's parlor this entire time. I guess that part never really happened. So Doctor Strange, so Mordo has been like in Doctor Strange's study for maybe like three years or something. Like That's that. not weird at all. Like I don't know how long, like when the last one, I forget when the last issue that that I forget when the Sisseneg issue was on the top of my head, but he's been there for a long time. Because you know, I know I just have comatose dudes just hanging out in my parlor. You're like a magic... You're not a magic guy, man. He's got a different um, standard of whatever's. You know what I mean? Sure. Whatever, I guess. I don't know. Yes, sir. So, so Sisseneg was in uh, January 74 in Doctor Strange's parlor for maybe five, five real-life years. Well, just I just have to th- I'm just, just going to throw this in here, and I'm just going to say, or has he? Yeah, that's true, because they check out the body, and it turns out that it's actually an illusion. Yeah, and Doctor Strange has to curse himself for a novice, for a novice yet again for not like bopping Mordo on the on the forehead periodically just to make sure he's still there. Like seriously, a once a year check in. I mean, that, wouldn't that be just like cathartic being like coming in and saying, "Oh, hey, what's up, Mordo? You idiot, bop." Nah. <laughs> so the plan is clear. All right. <laughs> um, Doctor Strange and Spinoza will will head to Paris to search for for Baron Mordo. Meanwhile, Clea will stay in New York to figure out what's going on with Wong. Seems reasonable, right? Yeah, totally. Okay, let's let's follow Clea first. All right. She um, heads to Chinatown herself to try to 
hunt down uh, Wong. She tries to she tries to find the Mister um, Sung guy that Wong talked to when he was jumped by thugs, and he doesn't seem very forthcoming. And but when Clea leaves his office, she finds herself being pursued, pursued by the spirit ninjas of Dormammu. Oh yeah, ghost ninjas. Man, the spirit ninjas really take me back. Yeah, actually, it's been a while. The last time we saw these guys was when. Doctor Strange was on the run from Dormammu back in like the Strange Tale day, Strange Tales day. Yeah, that was way back when, like you know, so there's now Clay's on the run again. Yeah, when there's a lot more and around. As she runs, world. she bumps into, ah. hey, Sarah Wolf, small small town, you know, Sarah Wolf, Doctor Strange's neighbor. Sure. So Sarah uh, Sarah calls a taxi for Doctor Str- for Clea, uh, and the two of them go flying back to the Sanctum Sanctorum to try to figure out what's going on. Meanwhile, Doctor Strange and Spinoza go to a they go to investigate a house in Paris where there's this, a Mordo sighting, and as they do, oh crap, Spinoza's instantly turned to dust. It's real bad. What is going on? Dusty grave. Doctor Strange gets hit in the back of the head by like a candlestick and all goes black. So Doctor Strange is knocked out. Yes. We go back to the Sanctum Sanctorum where as Dormammu ninjas, spirit ninjas, hang out outside the window. Clea does some more scrying to find Wong, and she successfully manages to find him somewhere upstate. But then she gets knocked out of the um, Eye of Agamotto because its power is too great for her. But she thinks she can, tra- she can track him down if she heads out, but obviously she's on the run from these spirit ninjas, too, that are observing her. So there's only one thing to do, Drew. What's that? That's uh, she and Sarah are going to change... Swap appearances, good times. Okay, which involves them also literally changing clothes. Apparently, uh, wait, that what? Yep. So, <laughs> so Sarah Wolf, A.K. A- so Clea, in the guise of Sarah Wolf, walks out the front door of the Sanctum Sanctorum as Clea stays inside under the watchful eyes of these dang spirit ninjas. Meanwhile, again, Doctor Strange wakes up on an operating table, being operated on by ghouls. He's like, and feeling real, and uh, in a lot of trouble, but he manages to escape by using his cloak of levitation. All right. To another room where he confronts Hippocrates. What? Isn't that guy supposed to be, like, dead? Super dead. Yeah. I mean, he's the patron saint and inventor of modern medicine, some kind of ancient Greek guys. But instead, it ends up with, like, Doctor Strange and Hippocrates having a big wizard fight. Sure which then sends Doctor Strange spiraling into another world, into, uh, like, one of the bars that he was a drunk at after he had hurt his hands in his accident and before he became Sorcerer Supreme. Um, this is like a... He lies... Okay. Yeah, this is like a world tour of, like, you know, the, the crappy times in uh, Doctor Strange's life. Yeah, it's really, like, just a, a world tour of the recap of the Doctor Strange story, yeah. you know? Though, it's all weird and mystical, so, like, when he's a drunk lying in the gutter, it's, like, Clea and Mordo that stand over him and, like, throw dollar bills at him to buy another bottle, you know? <laughs> Go buy another one, drunkie. Exactly. So, then we cut once more to Doctor Strange um, in an operating table in his, uh, you know, in his surgeon's scrubs trying to do a surgery, but his hands are shaking. He can't perform it, even as everyone in the operating room is like, operate, 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 operate. Um, He looks at the face of the patient and what? It's his old girlfriend, Madeline. 
or something. <laughs> What's funny here is that now Doctor Strange is like, wait a minute. If there's one thing I know when I'm seeing these crazy when I'm seeing crazy hallucinations like this, it means that someone is trying to trick me. It's happened several times before. So maybe instead of doing what my hallucinations tell me to do, I should do something else. <laughs> and it turns out this is timely advice. As as Doctor Strange snaps out of it, he realizes that instead of operating on a patient, he was actually about to ritually sacrifice this Madeline lady. It's rough. Yeah, it's terrible. It's, you know, it was theoretically a good trick. Unfortunately, this is not Dr. Strange's first rodeo. Instead, he resists the cultists, sort of tossing them away, and then grabs Madeline, the two of them, cloak of levitation out of the window of this old dark house. They, la- they sort of land out in front of it, and, this, and, and, and Madeline kind of explains, like, she was out, she, like, she's been kidnapped by these cultists, and Doctor Strange, like, sort of reflects on how this is a rite of passage for him being a Sorcerer Supreme and being able to overcome people's uh, illusions and stuff. And, like, generally, yeah, generally, um, we, we, we learn that these cultists are working for Baron Mordo, and they're actually, and they're planning to do some crazy thing that involves opening the seven gates of chaos to destroy the entire Earth. Like, that hasn't happened before. I mean... There's obviously people have tried to, but, you know, we got to stop them. And that looks like that's going to be the adventure, Drew. All right. So let's take a quick break. We're at the halfway point here, as we're just at the start of this crazy story to stop Baron Mordo from opening the Chaos Gates. I'm pretty excited about this new story. What do you think, Drew? How do you think about the com- what do you think about the comics? No, so I far? think it's pretty great. I'm actually really enjoying the story. Yeah, um, I, I actually thought that, like, the Satana stuff and the team-ups wasn't that bad. Like, just, we've had some really crappy endings recently, yeah. <laughs> and, like, Satana, like, sacrificing herself and stuff seems like a, a decent ending, I think. And while the, t- the two-in-one story with the thing was kind of a throwaway one, it was still just sort of inoffensive, you know? I mean, it it, it resolved itself fine for a one-issue adventure, you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Not the best, but moderate. Yeah, I guess. But I'm excited for this new story, man. we got to find out who, who this Madeline lady is and what's her deal. And also, what is what is Baron Mordo up to with the Gates of Chaos? I hope he's off to up... He's up, up to something awesome. All right, after the break, Man-Thing time! Woo! See you then. are Stranger by the Dozen. Let's go to Doctor Strange number 40 from April 1980. Dawn of Words, Gene Colan Pencils, Dan Green, and Ricardo Villamonte Inks, Mark Rogan Letterer, Bob Sharon Colors, Joe Duffy Editor, Alan Milgram Consulting Editor, Jim Shooter Editor-in-Chief. So, Doctor Strange has hunted down the man behind the cultist's last issue, and it's Lord Fife, who, like, we'll be... You might remember as, like, one of the wizards 
that was sort of Doctor Strange's house guest for a bunch of issues, but that didn't really do anything. I kind of remember him, but not really. Yeah, they didn't do that. Him and Rama Khalif were these two wizards that had come, that were part of a group that came to kind of help out when Dormammu came back a long time ago. But Doctor Strange just sort of constantly spent time, like sort of, they were useful for sort of explaining what the problem was, but then he'd always blow them off when it was time for actual wizarding to be done, uh, you know? Yes. And so eventually the two of them left like a couple issues ago, and now it looks like Fife has sold his soul to Dormammu. Or not to Dormammu, to Mordo, which is even worse because Mordo's just some dude. Yeah, he's just some guy. He's like, what, did he come around to your door and say, hey, sell me your soul. Just write your name down on this piece of paper. We'll call it good. Apparently, yes. Uh, <laughs> terrible. Yeah. So Fife is like, uh, yeah, I'm evil. What of it? Screw you. <laughs> and we're going to open the seven gates of chaos, and you can't stop him, and you and you, you drool Mordo, Mordo rules, etc. It's all bad. Yeah, so Fife runs out of his mansion, runs to his car, Doctor Strange gives chase, and as he does, Lord Fife's car goes off the road into the, into the drink. Uh, Strange tries to save him, but it's too late. His neck snapped the minute he hit, he hit the water, and... Fife is dead. Oh, no. Ah, who cares? That guy's evil. Yeah, he's a jerk. Whatever. Yeah. Strange uh, climbs, climbs out of the drink, and him and this Madeline lady, which I'm really waiting to hear some more backstory for, thank you very much, <laughs> uh, sort of drive off to recover. But as they do, Lord Fife comes out of the water, and totally, because his soul is so, sold toward, to Mordo, Mordo turns him into a big undead bad guy. How unexpected. <laughs> He's like, Strange spoke the truth, fool. I had no intention of saving you. Why should I? You are merely a pawn. I am Mordo. What a jerk. You know, he's okay. <laughs> so he uh he turns Lord Fife into Azriel, the uh after the angel of death and makes him a crazy uh you know, face bad guy basically. I still I still say my statement of what a jerk. I mean, accurate. Fair enough. Yeah. So, back at the Sanctum Sanctorum, uh, Sarah Wolf is definitely wearing uh, Clea's clothes and answering uh, Doctor Strange's and answering the phone. Oh, okay. As as Doctor Strange sort of calls in to say, like, "Hey, I'm doing okay." Uh, that that Cardinal guy I was with is dead. Um, we're expanding more stuff. Tell Clea, you know. <laughs> Meanwhile, Clea is on horseback investigating this uh, mansion deep in the Adirondack forest. She's sort of riding up and looking at binoculars and stuff, when suddenly she gets shot in the back, falls down a cliff, and just lands in a ravine. And then he cuts Doctor Strange in the newspaper, I guess. Uh, yeah, okay. And here's where we get the Madeline. Oh, the newspaper he's reading talks about the disappearance of multiple people near the town of Citrusville in Florida. <laughs> so FYI, anyhow, Doctor Strange, you know, filed that away, basically. And then he reminisces about um, this Madeline lady. Apparently, Madeline was a patient of Doctor Strange's back when he was a resident, so before he became, like, super evil. And, or not super evil, but super, like, greedy, you know? Before he became like, yeah, you know, the vain and greedy doctor that he was initially. Also pre-mustache, incidentally. <laughs> but so he saves her, like, when most people thought they couldn't. 
thought that like you know the medical procedure would be impossible and they fall in love and they date and he asks her to marry him and she says you know no Stefan <laughs> because she doesn't like the greedy path that he's going on so she walks away from him and now she's back and she she's married and she's got kids and you know, Doctor Strange still kind of carries a flame for her, and she kind of likes him, but they got to focus on these goddamn chaos gates, because there's seven of them, and opening just two of them would destroy, would start undoing uh, God's days of creation, all right? Uh-huh. Like the biblical things, like on the sixth day he created man. Right. So, so the, if you open the first gate, it just destroys the weekend, you know? That's real rough. <laughs> yeah, but the second one, it destroys the creation of man. And I guess the fifth one destroys, like, animals and stuff. But basically, we don't care about that because we're all dead after the second gate opens. So we got to stop them. And we sort of learn that the way that you open the gates is that you have to sacrifice 13 people with significant mystic ability. And you got to do it in a powerful occult place like uh, Stonehenge or the Sinin Caves in China or something like that. As Doctor Strange, and then <laughs> Doctor Strange remembers the newspaper, Odang, and mentions that, uh, and sees that the multiple disappearances of all these people in the town of Citrusville, which just happens to sit at the edge of the nexus of all realities, a dimensional crossroads. Hey, Drew. Yo. You know who's an important person that came through the nexus of all realities? Uh, who would that be, Conrad? Howard the Duck. Oh, no. <laughs> But as Doctor Strange puts this together, they're interrupted by Madeline's maid, Colette, who comes in and is like, help me, he's after me. And then suddenly she ages to death and turns to powder like the dude in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Cool. Yeah. And behind her is Lord Fife, now Azriel. His touch is death. And as Doctor Strange blasts him... Uh, Asriel explains that he his powers that everything that touches him starts to age, and that includes, like, spells and stuff. So he's effectively immune from everything, because anything that attaches him slowly gets older and weaker and stuff. That must really suck if he wants to eat a sandwich. I mean, you think he's already dead, so he's past that, but you, you, are, you are correct. <laughs> um, also, as, the, as he's explaining this, uh, Mordo from Long Distance, uh, Cat conjures the crimson bands of Sidorak around Doctor Strange's uh, cloak of levitation and amulet. So he's got to fight, fight the old-fashioned way. Oh, rough. Yeah, he's casting spells, and actually this is ground zero for a bunch of different spells, like Pal of Darkness, Grave-like Gloom, Enshroud This Thing That Seeks My Doom. Also another solid spell. Right yeah, it's a pretty good one. It creates, like, mist and then a bunch of uh, doubles of Doctor Strange and stuff. So, basically, Strange and Clea go on the run from Azrael. they got to escape him. They don't know what to do. He's closing in on them. And eventually, wearing Mordo's face, Azrael grabs Doctor Strange by the throat and lifts him up. And Doctor Strange suddenly becomes a withered old dude. Oh, no! It's real bad. And that's how we end this issue. Next up, weep. For the soul of man. But we ourselves go to... Oh, man. The goddamn Man-Thing. Oh, yeah. Man-Thing, vo uh, Volume 2, Issue 4, from May 1980. 
And this is one of one of my clat one of my favorite kinds of co- of covers, Drew, where it's like Doctor Strange and in this case Doctor Strange and Man Thing, but it could be anybody. Um, you know, two people sort of fighting in the foreground, uh-huh. and then in the background, the big bad guy sort of stands over them, laughing with like his hands out, like he's controlling them like puppets and stuff. No, it's it's classic like superhero versus superhero kind of thing going on here. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So. It's Doctor Strange versus the Man Thing. Man Thing, two, yeah, Man Thing, Volume Two, Number Four, from May 1980. Death Knell. Chris Claremont, author. Don Perlin and Bob Wyacek, artist. Joe Costanza, letterer. Bob Sean, colorist. Danny O'Neill, editor. Jim Shooter, editor in chief. Hey, so Drew, let's talk about Man Thing for a second. All right, let's talk about Man Thing for a second. It's important that you know about your Man Thing before you get too far into this. Please educate me. First of all, his name is rife for puns, including the several issues in the seventies of Giant Size Man Thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty funny, dude. <laughs> But anyhow, giant-sized man things besides. <laughs> so he's a swap monster, right? He's a swap mon- He was created at pretty much the exactly the same time as Swamp Thing. So, so either character can sort of be angry. It can call the other sort of a, a, a copy, you know? <laughs> and they're both basically recaps, or they're both basically knockoffs of this classic character called the Heap from like the 40s. Uh, giant size man thing. <laughs> giant size man thing's good, man. That'll change your life. <laughs> but um, the thing about the about about man thing, giant size or otherwise, <laughs> is that. Unlike Swamp Thing, who has sort of a personality and stuff, uh, Man Thing really doesn't. He's empathic. He responds to. He's psychic, though, so we can. Uh, he responds to the emotions of people around him. And um, if you're afraid, his touch burns you. And it's just ridiculous, basically. He was created by uh, Steve Gerber, who wrote that awesome run of the Defenders with the brain swapping and Nebulon and stuff like that. Yeah. Huh. And. It's just a weird character. Anyhow, we this time we join the man thing for reasons that I'm not really sure about, but whatever. Uh, hanging on to the bottom of a helicopter, fly or no, not a helicopter of a uh, small plane flying through the Himalayas with an unconscious woman in his arms. He's holding on to like the uh, like the skids on the, like the landing gear on the bottom of the plane, basically. The uh, the lady wakes up, finds finds herself dangling from the arm of a giant bog monster, and is afraid, and then she starts to burn, which seems reasonable. Yeah, sure, okay. Or the fear seems reasonable. Uh, maybe not the um, maybe not the uh, fault catching on fire because of her fear. This lady's a lame a lame Simpson, by the way. But anyhow, she uh, catches on fire, so she kind of wriggles loose of the man thing's grip and. Because of that, starts falling to her death from the bottom of this plane. Meanwhile, Man-Thing as well, um, his arm, because of the sub-zero temperatures of the air in, in the Himalayas. And uh, both of them fall seemingly to their death. Cool. Bad times. <laughs> we don't care, because we cut to, uh, to uh, Paris, where Doctor Strange is facing off against Azriel, and he's looking super old. He's slowly dying under the death-like grip of Azriel until... He summons the greatest of powers. Uh, so, a question about this. Yeah. Isn't, in the, oh, isn't Doctor Strange supposed to be immortal? 
Um, yeah, he should be, in fact, ageless because of his Sorcerer Supreme abilities. That's how. But I mean, I feel like while he doesn't die of old age, he still can age. Uh, if, if that makes sense. I guess so. Because like the because like the ancient one had the same thing, and the ancient one was hell of old. I mean, he was the ancient one. Right. <laughs> so Doctor Strange summons a big magic in the name of Dread Dormammu. By the po- by, the power of the deathless Vishanti, I call upon the host of Hogoth. Heed the words of thy mortal servant and strike. Which isn't really a, uh, a rhyming spell, but it's still pretty cool because it summons a big ghostly steel fist that just knocks Azrael in, in 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 the uh, in the face. Pretty rad. Yeah, it's good. And which is apparently the uh, the steel fist of Hogoth, uh, as you and then. That buys Doctor Strange time as he gets increasingly older to cast his greatest spell. Like, if he does nothing, it'll kill me. It'll kill him, so what does he have to lose? By all the seven deaths, Satanish brings my foe in case in seven crimson bands. Encircle him with seven roving rings as seven seas do circumscribe the land. By seven darkly shadowed seraphim, whose seven veils the secret sigils hide. These powers shall enshroud and prison him, till seven seals at last shall open wide. Which doesn't really scan well, but it super-duper binds Lord Fife and eventually destroys him. Oh, snap. Yeah, it's good. But, unfortunately, Doctor Strange is now ultra-old and seemingly like about to die of old age in Madeline's arms. Until he kind of casts a rejuvenation spell and becomes, you know, Doctor Strange's age again. You know how it goes. So, okay, hold up. Um, so he gets super old. Yeah. He's, he's about ready to die. Yep, almost. And then he starts glowing, yep. and then he's young again. Yeah. He said he was a doctor. I'm, All right. I'm, I'm calling Time Lord here. I'm just, I'm just throwing <laughs> that out there. Anyhow, Doctor St- anyhow, Madeline and Doctor Strange walk off as Doctor Strange brainwashes the cops and the people of uh, Paris in general. Like he does. They, yeah, they hop on a plane for Miami and soon find themselves in sweet holiday attire, uh, driving a convertible into the sound- town of Citrusville. Okay. Yeah, to investigate these disappearances and stuff. Once they're there, uh, Doctor Strange mind whammies the sheriff and gets the lowdown on where sort of the center of these disappearances have been. And Doctor Strange and Madeline get aboard a fan boat to go into the Everglades. Oh, yeah. Um, It turns out that a lot of the people being taken are related to this lady named Jennifer Kale, who is a wizard, who is a sorceress of some kind. But there's a kind of a funny page where Doctor Strange is like in, like, uh, I can't tell if he's got a turtleneck or a cravat. I think it's a cravat. But he's got a, a cravat and like 70 sunglasses as his hair is whipped around on the deck of the fan boat. And he reminisces how Howard the Duck told me that Jennifer Kale is a witch. <laughs> Serious thing, but he's confirming it by what Howard the Duck told him. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, sure. No, that makes sense. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. So anyhow, um, Doctor Strange and Madeline and uh, Jackson, the guy who uh, the guy who's driving the paddle boat, or Jackson, I guess, but Jackson with an X, I'll have you know arrive at the home of Jennifer Kale when suddenly a lady in a parka walks, runs out. It's that Melissa lady from the uh, Himalayas. And she's like, hey, watch out. Uh, there's a trap here set for you. Be careful. And our, our guys are like, a trap? Uh-oh. But then Man-Thing comes flying out of the water, attacking them. Oh, it's a Man-Thing attack, Drew. That's the worst. That's the worst kind of attack. Yeah. So 
Madeline and Jackson and this Melissa lady go looking for, go try to get to safety as Doctor Strange takes on the man thing. He sort of assumed, you know, he sort of heard of the man thing from various sources and assumes it's just kind of a mindless beast that can't really think or strategize. It doesn't have, like, malice in its heart and stuff. But now, nah, man, this man thing is pissed and, like, tries to kill Doctor we soon learn, is actually in the possession of Baron Mordo. Oh, no. Yeah, it's terrible. So, as opposed to the normal superhero fight, where um, it's two superheroes who mean well, but there's a misunderstanding, this is like the corollary where one of the superheroes is under the control of evil and fights because of that reason. You know what I yeah. mean? <laughs> so, Doctor Strange tries to fight Man-Thing, but Man-Thing, who has some immunity to magical abilities and whatever... Uh, Baron Mordo's adding on to him as well is too much for Doctor Strange. The Man-Thing buries Doctor Strange underwater and seemingly drowns him. And we end with Doctor Strange with uh, Madeline in the possession of Baron Mordo, Man-Thing looking on immobile, and Doctor Strange floating face down in the bogs of the Everglades. And that's it, Doctor Strange is dead. It's a you know, bad time. Alright, cool. Now we get on to uh, Doctor Fate. Nah. Instead, we go to Doctor Strange, Master of the Mystic Arts, number 41, Weep for the Soul of Man. Chris Claremont, writer, Gene Colan, penciler, Dan Green, inker, Diana Albers, letterer, Ed Hannigan, colorist, Joe Duffy, editor, Jim Shooter, editor-in-chief. And Doctor Strange is totally dead, bro. He's hella dead. Oh, yeah, super dead. Floating through space in a very skull-centric part of it. This, this seems <laughs> like, you know, very dead things. Yeah, he uh, thinks he sees Clea floating over, floating in front of him saying, like, you know, come into the light. But it turns out to be literal death again. I hate literal death, Drew. He's such a trickster. <sighs> what a jerk. Yeah. So instead, Doctor Strange flies the opposite way and wakes up coughing in his own body in the middle of the Everglades. If you've been away, if you've been away there for just a few minutes longer, you have drowned to death. But whatever. <laughs> we cut to... A swamp. There's a pretty nifty shack in the middle of the swamp with an awesome human sacrifice setup in the basement. There's that Jennifer Kale lady we've heard talked about a little bit, who's a sorceress dressed up in crazy sort of, I'd say, Viking-inspired sorcerer garb. Yeah, I don't know about that. It's got like, uh, I, I, maybe I'm saying Viking-inspired because it's got like a metal bikini top and then sort of a horn thing in her hair. You know what I mean? Yeah, but. Like, if, 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 if you called her a warrior priestess at this point, I don't think anybody would disagree with you. You know what I mean? I mean, most people wouldn't. But you have special uh, special beliefs in, in, in this area, Yes, Drew? I do, actually. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> so, arrayed around them. So, it's Jennifer Kale dressed up like a not-Viking priestess lady. Thank you. She's, sta- she's standing next to Man-Thing, who's immobile. And then, laid out like a clock around them are a bunch of uh, slabs. And... On each slab is, like, a person who's tied up in their underwear, ready to be sacrificed, essentially. Um, and then Mordo stands at 10 o'clock, at 12 o'clock, I should say, at 12 o'clock doing magic stuff. He sort of starts to cast a magic spell, you know. Hear me who rule the outer dark, thou demons of the lost, thou dread lords of Mabdahara. Uh, so his plan is, by the way, Drew, yeah. he's going to destroy the earth and then take its power... And then he's going to use that, that power to find a new world where there's no magic, no Doctor Strange, no Dormammu, and be king. So is this like basically him saying, well, screw everything about this planet. This planet sucks. I'm done with it. 
I'm done with it mm-hmm. to the point where I'm just going to get rid of everything. I'm going to start fresh on our new planet. You know what? Yeah. Everything's going to be great. He's doing uh, what they call in uh, recovery circles as a geographic. Uh, gotcha. <laughs> where it's going to move to a new town and not have any of the problems that he had before because uh, he's moved away from them. But let me tell you, buddy, you take those problems with you. <laughs> Anyhow, he's in and is like, how about this, buddy? You suck and I'm going to stop you. And Mordo's like, yeah, like, you're over there and I'm right here. What are you going to do? And then it turns out that Doctor, Str- that Doctor Strange that barged in was an illusion. And actual Doctor Strange was behind Mordo and socks him right in the face, which is a good move. Oh, no, it's frankly. solid. And, but as that happens, the two of them disappear into limbo for a wizard fight, essentially. Okay. The problem is that during that Mordo has set his plans into action, oh, no. sort, of watch, sort of Watchmen style, you know what I yeah. mean? And so as they wizard fight, the mysterious hand of the outer god sort of doing this chaos gate thing sort of reaches down from above each sacrificial victim and, like, grabs them. And when it grabs them, they turn into skeletons Uh and sort of makes its way around the circle as Dormammu, or sorry, as Mordo and Doctor Strange wizard fight. uh, Madeline, Doctor Strange's squeeze, is the last one to be touched by the demon. But she, too, turns to a skeleton. Uh And Doctor Strange goes full uh, action movie, and it's like, Madeline! It's cool. No, it's (laughs) red. Meanwhile, um, it turns out that the Man-Thing is the big thing causing, or Man-Thing is the one person that can still stop this from happening. And... The uh, the lady in the priestess garb sort of begs the man thing to stop it, to stop this demon hand from killing everybody. And finally, as it kills her, man thing's like, "Hey, yeah, this guy sucks. <laughs> I'm gonna stop it." And so he start, So the man thing fights the giant um, demon hand and breaks the door, the uh, chaos gate that that dormant, that uh, Mordo's trying to open. And in the end. The boat, uh, and in the end, thwarts Mordo's evil attempts at evil, which is pretty solid, you know, if you ask me. Awesome. Yeah. M- uh, Mordo gets kicked off into some other world. He's lost forever. You know, he'll be back. Yeah, of for now, anyway. <laughs> and it's good times as um, Doctor Strange sort of reverts Man Thing back to its, his normal mindless state, and everyone's like, okay, crisis averted, let's hang out. Like, we're going fast through this, Drew. But I really liked this fight between Mordo and Doctor Strange. They had a lot of back and forth and yelling at each other magically and stuff. And because the hand actually, wa- because the demon hands actually were killing people, it actually really upped the stakes of like the whole fight. You know what I mean? Like it's one thing if like it almost kills Doctor Strange as like would be girlfriend or something like that, but it actually killed her. Yeah. And it was just. Um, Man-Thing's intervention and sort of throwing off the whole process that caused everybody to come back to life and stuff. I thought it was neat. I don't know. But anyhow, <laughs> let's move on to Doctor Strange 41. No, sorry, 42 from August 1980. The Black Mirror. Chris Claremont writer, Gene Colan penciler, Dan Green inker, Jim Novak letterer, Bob Sharon colorist, Joe Duffy editor, Jim Shooter editor-in-chief. Okay, so we, so we open up, this issue opens up at Miami International Airport, where Doctor Strange is flying Madeline in on like, geez, on like a floating disc, D&D style, it's a good time. Sure, okay. <laughs> um, as they land, everybody's freaked out, and, uh, you know, 
she and we and, and we noticed that Doctor Strange like sacrificial uh, captive garb basically, and so Doctor Strange is Doctor Strange is his usual thing of uh, brainwashing everybody and magically changing their clothes. It's good. Yeah, okay, that's fine. So as they walk into the airport and Doctor Strange puts Madeline on a flight to Paris back to her family, we see that he's being observed by some random person basically. That's like, hey, that's Doctor Strange. I'd better tell Starrett, which is really weird. Like, it's not explained, you know? It's sort of setting up the next storyline, I suppose. Similarly, when Doctor Strange return, returns back to the Sanctum Sanctorum, there's a guy in the building across the street taking pictures as Doctor Strange gets out of the cab and walks into the Sanctum, you know? Inside the Sanctum, Doctor Strange finds a bunch of uh, pizza boxes and two-liter sodas. And Sarah Wolf sleeping on his chair in Clea's clothes. And Doctor Strange is like, what? I don't know. I better just uh, let this be until she wakes up. <laughs> and when she does wake up, he, they sort of banter back and forth. Uh, Sarah brings Stephen back um, up to speed with what's been happening on this side of the, uh, of this, of the big storyline and stuff. And she's apparently been tidying up his desk and going through some of his financial uh, business, basically. And it's like, hey, man, you're, like, broke, and you're behind in a bunch of bills. Like, you got what are you going to do? And Doctor Strange is like, oh, really? Like, man, I have to, Wong has to keep up on this stuff. Uh, yeah, about that. And he sort of goes to the back parlor, opens up a, uh, a safe, and it's just full of gold bars, which we'll remember from back in the day that Doctor Strange actually makes using magic. Because he doesn't have to worry about money and stuff. He just magically makes the money. That's the easiest way to do it. So, you know, but, like, the fact that it's his bank accounts are emptying out and he's often behind on bills, even though he has the money for it, is worrying. So Dr. Strange offers Sarah a job as his business manager, basically, like, to pay the bills and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And they sort of cheers on it, and we go to the next scene. As Dr. Strange investigates that same house that Cleo was looking at um, when she got shot and, like, kidnapped, basically. Or when she got shot, and then last we saw her lying face down in a ditch. It's rough. Uh, Doctor Strange approaches this house, and as he does, there's a crazy, like, out-of-character for Doctor Strange car, ch car chase that ends in him going off the side of the road in a fiery wreck. And as four mysterious dudes look on, Doctor Strange gets out of the car and starts attacking the guys that ran him off the road magically. And he's like, okay, I, th I think I'm onto something. I'm in the right spot. And so the following night, he had, uh, tries to infiltrate this mysterious house. And the wizards inside the house notice him and summon a mighty dragon to defeat him. That's cool, man. Dragon fighting time. No. I appreciate no, it. No, dragon fight's always awesome. Yeah. Eventually, Doctor Strange manages to do the thing where, like, he astral projects out of his body and because of that, the dragon can't hurt him. And then he sort of at the house using his astral form, which banishes the dragon. So not the best dragon fight, I'll admit. But it, it works out okay, I think. Um, and he sees that these wizards are guarding a mysterious dark mirror. And it's pretty clear, like, you know, I better just go through this mirror and see how's it going. Because if there's a magical mirror that a bunch of wizards have, Drew, you can walk through that mirror. Everybody knows oh, it. Oh, yeah. That's standard wizard stuff. You can totally walk through the mirror. <laughs> yeah. So, Doctor Strange does, and when he does, he's accosted by barbarians! Oh, no! Yeah, like, full-on, like, shirtless, harness-wearing barbarians. They're about to cut off his head when we sees one of the barbarians. Ooh, it's a lady barbarian. Ooh, it's Clea? What? 
to be continued <laughs> in Doctor Strange number 43 uh, called uh, Shadow Queen. Chris Claremont, writer. Gene Colan, penciler. Dan Green, inker. Diana Albers, letterer. Sean, or Ben Sean, colorist. Joe Duffy, editor. Jim Shooter. So this issue picks up where the last one ends with Doctor Strange about to have his head cut off. But then suddenly Clea intervenes and is like, hey, that's my boyfriend. And after some good-natured fighting and a, reu- and a reunion between Clea and Doctor Strange, he re- we find out that these barbarians are actually basically good guys. And Clea has been, uh, has been in this dimension for months or a long time, not the days that it's been in, our, in, a, in Marvel World. She's been just sort of hanging out with barbarians, doing barbarian stuff. Meanwhile, Wong is in the hands of this evil sorceress lady, the evil sorceress queen of this land. And the barbarians are rebels against the queen. You know, it's, a, it's the standard setup. No, 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 yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Like, one of the guys is, um, like, the, the head of the barbarians is named Duran, who's sort of a cool dude. Kind of a uh, semi-magic dude, I want to say. <laughs> and all of these guys are tools of a demon race called the Ingari. Um, and the Ingari are, a, this, are they're this demon, like alien demon race kind of thing that's a big, big re- reused a lot by uh, Chris Claremont himself. Like, they've shown up in X-Men a couple of times as well. Like, one time, uh, Cyclops the X-Men got pissed, and in the backyard of the X-Men mansion, he eye-blasted this pile of rocks. The pile of rocks turned out to be a cairn uh, sealing in a bunch of Ingari demons, and then they had to fight the demons. <laughs> Just another X-Men day, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we cut to the c- Citadel of the Shadow Queen, uh, Majadong, where the four wizards that we saw last issue that were, like, guarding the, the Black Mirror and stuff have been brought before the evil queen to beg for mercy for allowing Doctor Strange to enter into uh, their world. Because, you know, Doctor Strange is a Sorcerer Supreme, not to be messed with, you know? Right. She, the Sorceress Queen, the, the Sorceress, and apparently the Sorceress, the Sorcerer Supreme of this world, Shialamar, uh, is angry and turns these guys into gargoyles. It's rough. It's what you do, you know? Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, Doctor Strange, Clea, and all of the rebel guys are infiltrating the, the city to save Wong. And even though they have to overcome these new gargoyle guys and bring down a fair amount of the city. <laughs> they actually managed to do it. <laughs> they, cap- they find Wong captured in the basement and bring him to safety. It's good times. All right. Yeah. Once they bring him out, they're like, hey, Wong, like this lady seemed pretty interested in you. And no offense, but, you know, you kind of do my laundry. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Wong, you're not that special. So, like, what's the deal with you and this wizard queen? Yeah, what's going on here? And Wong goes full info dump about, like, the history of Wong, basically. Well, not him, actually, his, his, uh, his family. It's the story of uh, Khan, the monk, who, the monk who studied great mysteries, but then, after um, bloodying himself in the field of battle, resolved to just become a simple healer, until he, too, was pulled through this magic black mirror and recruited to become, like, the general for this... Um, exiled royal family and their fight against an evil sorcerer dude. You know, all so far, so so good, yeah. you know? No, pretty standard stuff, really. Yeah. 
And it's with that and sort of the beginning of this whole backstory section that this issue ends. It's a quickie. It's sort of, you know, we spend most of it sort of in the fight under the city and stuff. And we move quickly on to Doctor Strange 44 from December 1980, which is fun because it's my birthday. <laughs> uh, Duel of Fire, Chris Claremont, writer, Gene Colan, penciler, Dan Green, inker, Jim Novak, letterer, Bob Sharon, colorist, Joe Duffy, editor, Jim Shooter, editor-in-chief. And this one sort of picks up where the last one ended with the, sto- with the backstory of, of uh, Wong's ancestor, Khan, who is a great warrior but is reluctant to fight because he's seen too much blood in the battlefield already. Eventually, though, he's convinced to fight after a big demon attack, essentially. <laughs> he leads the people of the uh, Black Mirror Reality's armies and falls in love with the future evil wizard, evil sorceress queen, Shialamar. And then fights alongside Shalimar's brother and their, like, assistant wizard guy. But, you know, as these things sort of go, Drew, the assistant wizard guy betrays them, and he's going to sacrifice everybody until Shialimar agrees to sacrifice her, to sell her soul to the Angari to take out the betraying wizard guy. Again, all, and it, this is all pretty standard stuff. But, uh, yeah. I, I mean, it's standard fantasy stuff, I feel like. Yeah. And so now she's evil, but she sort of sac- she sort of became evil for a selfless reason. And Wong's ancestor is all upset because now this world has a demon priestess, ha- has a demon sorceress, an immortal demon sorceress for a queen, and it's all his fault basically. And so because of that, he managed to escape back to his home world, to our world. And because and ever since his bloodline has sworn to aid good wizards, boring an evil sorceress. Which is why Wong today is Doctor Strange's manservant, because of the ancestral sin of his ancestor, Khan. Uh, and, That's her, yeah. and so the backstory of Wong is explained. Yeah, man. He's laboring under, like, maybe not a curse, but a need to atone, I guess. Yeah. It's a shame that uh, Duncan isn't here with us today, because he would be enjoying this. Or he'd be angry, because it's like, well, why does, why does uh, Wong still have to deal with this? He didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> Anyhow, though... At this point, um, at this point, it's it's fight time. Shialamar, the evil pre- the evil wiz- sorceress queen, attacks the rebel camp. Um, there's a bunch of stuff involving like gargoyles that turn people into other gargoyles, and it's very cool. Um, the, the 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 sorceress queen and the sorcer- the sorceress supreme meet in the sky for for wizard fights, which I always appreciate, including. One key moment where Wong shoots the sorceress right in the shoulder to distract her and stuff with a bow and arrow, which is pretty awesome. nice. And in the end, after Wong shoots her in the shoulder with the arrow, the fact that Wong looks exactly like his ancestor is sort of a bummer. Like, or she sort of instantly, like, she, she, she sort of pauses in his onslaught, I guess, and it gives Doctor Strange an opening to land the final blow against her. But as it does... Doctor Strange himself is hit by a lightning bolt and absorbs part of the power of the Angari. The sorceress is is defeated, but Doctor Strange is in danger of possession himself. Luckily, Clea, a dab hand with the Amulet of Agamotto, manages to free both Doctor Strange and Shialamar of the taint of the Angari. Unfortunately, however, because she's been alive for so long and has taken some mortal blows, Shialamar is in the process of dying in Wong's arms. She wishes that her her lover was still with her, 
and then she too, sacrificing herself, dies in the arms of a loved one. And it's a bummer. But hey, the good guys win, so that's pretty. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's like you know the good guys win, and you know this, this dead woman is in in Wong's like embrace, and uh, and you know Doctor Strange and Clay are just kind of in the background making out. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> so that's it for this week, Drew. Ooh. What'd you think of these issues? Pretty good. I liked them. I feel like the story, the the ends of the stories, like ended in big fights that sort of culminated in people making sacrifices and interesting things happening. They're definitely a big change from the la- from like last week's issues where things just kind of ended for no reason. Yeah. Or people declared themselves victors despite sort of just minor things happening. Yeah, you know? that was that really bothered me. Like the ends, the ends feel earned. You know what I mean? Yeah, and we we also got some solid backstory on Wong. Yeah, I think it's good to yeah. learn some more about that guy. He's been kind of in the background, but not really developed for a long time. We're going to see Wong actually grow a lot over the coming Doctor Strange issues. But this is sort of this is sort of the start of Wong, sort of as a character, instead of just sort of as someone who gets people tea, I guess. If you'd like to contact the podcast, I'd love to hear from you. You can send me an email at strangerbythedozen at gmail.com or interact with the show on Facebook and Instagram at strangerbythedozen, Twitter at strangerbythe12, that's strangerbythe12, and on Tumblr at strangerbythedozen.tumblr.com. During the week, I'll post a bunch of images and stuff from these issues. Stranger by the Dozen is on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, and any other podcasting app. And remember, if you leave a five-star review on any platform, I'll read it on the show. As always, direct all your problems with Drew to Drew himself on Twitter at Neo of the Dark. I, I promise nothing but responses of me playing Destiny. That's really all you're going to get. <laughs> Come back next week and we'll go on the defensive with a 100% Defenders episode. Uh, Doctor Strange and the Defenders will take down a rogue superhero in short shorts. Fight mystic monsters to take down the evil lunatic lunatic. <laughs> it's a spelling thing. It's hard to hear in the, in, in the words. Uh, Doctor Strange, Hulk, and Namor will travel to a mysterious dimension and fight Birdmen. And the female defenders will fall under the sway of the creepiest villain. Andrew's real gross, guys. Until then, faithful listener, I say. But even as he kisses her, feels her relaxed against him, his thoughts turn to the last card of his tarot layout, the final outcome. It was the tower, the most ominous card in the deck, portending his complete, utter destruction. He has saved Clea's soul, but in doing so, has possibly lost his own forever. My name is Conrad, and for my co-host Drew, this is Stranger by the Dozen. May the Vishanti guide your path.